Our scripture this morning is Hosea chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. Hosea 9, verses 1 through 17. Beloved, we live in a world that, that really has commitment problems. Uh, you know, people are more committed to a cell phone contract than they are to a relationship. We have people that go about their lives kind of half-hearted. Throughout the Bible, God calls us to be all in. And this is not some private decision that we made and, and never share with anyone. The problem with Israel is that they were hedging their bets. They weren't all in with God. They went through the motions. I mean, we've seen throughout Hosea that they're still making sacrifices. Now, they're unauthorized because not a single man that's leading worship in Israel at this time is qualified to be a priest. But God wants us to be fully committed to Him and on fire for His kingdom in our world. Hosea chapter 9, verses 1 through 17, in honor of the reading of God's Word, let's stand. Do not rejoice, O Israel, with exultation like the nations. For you have played the harlot, forsaking your God. You have loved harlot's earnings on every threshing floor. Threshing floor and wine press will not feed them, and the new wine will fail them. They will not remain in the Lord's land. But Ephraim will return to Egypt, and in Assyria they will eat unclean food. They will not pour out drink offerings of wine to the Lord. Their sacrifices will not please Him. Their bread will be like mourner's bread. All who eat of it will be defiled, for their bread will be for themselves alone. It will not enter the house of the Lord. What will you do on the day of the appointed festival and on the day of the feast of the Lord? For behold, they will go because of destruction. Egypt will gather them up. Memphis will bury them. Weeds will take over their treasures of silver. Thorns will be in their tent. The days of punishment have come. The days of retribution have come. Let Israel know this. The prophet is a fool. The inspired man is demented because of the grossness of your iniquity and because your hostility is so great. Ephraim was a watchman with my God, a prophet, yet the snare of a bird's catcher is in all his ways. And there is only hostility in the house of his God. They have gone deep into depravity, as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on the fig tree in its first season. But they came to Baal Peor and devoted themselves to shame. And they became as detestable as that which they loved. As for Ephraim, their glory will fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, and no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them until not a man is left. Yes, woe to them indeed when I depart from them. Ephraim, as I have seen, is planted in a pleasant meadow like Tyre. But Ephraim will bring out his children for slaughter. Give them, O Lord, what will you give? 
Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breast. All their evil is at Gilgal. Indeed, I came to hate them there because of the wickedness of their deeds. I will drive them out of my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebels. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They will bear no fruit. Even though they bear children, I will slay the precious ones of their womb. May God, or My God will cast them away because they have not listened to him, and they will be wanderers among the nations. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for the reading of your perfect and infallible word in our midst this morning. God, we just pray that as you illumine the heart and mind of Hosea, when you gave to him this perfect and infallible word, that you would illumine our hearts and minds this morning as well. God, this is a, a difficult text. We pray that you would speak to us and that you would show us how you would have us to live our lives as we offer to you our love, our lives, and this prayer in and through the name of our risen Lord and Master, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. You know, for a lot of people, the Word of God is, is just kind of a, a, a book. It's no better than any other book. You know, the, the, the self-help gurus, uh, one of the things that we have to do at work quite a bit is to read uh, a lot of these books on, on how to be more productive. You, know how to, you want to know how to really be uh, more productive at work? Stop reading them books. Or, do you want me to work or do you want me to read about work? All right? Because I can't do both. And, and honestly... All of these books are pretty much the same. They just use a slightly different metaphor, okay, to tell the same dad burn thing. And, and you know, it's just, okay, what's it going to be this year? It, it, you know, what are our buzzwords going to be? A lot of people treat the Bible like they treat those books, that they go and they get maybe a little bit of helpful information, and, 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 but, but, but God's not really interested in how we live out our life. And a lot of people want to portray Jesus as just this great ethical teacher. Jesus will not give us that option. William Temple, who used to be the Archbishop of Canterbury, said this about the way a lot of people treat Jesus. He said, why any man should have trouble to crucify the Christ of liberal Protestantism has always been a mystery. Let me ask you a question, beloved. Is the Jesus, is the Jesus that we proclaim to the world worth crucifying? Is he worth crucifying? Or is Jesus just our best bud? Okay? And he helps us when we've, we've got a little problem. But otherwise, we've got this. We, we, we don't need any help. We, we don't really need Jesus until we've got a bad problem. Is the Jesus that we proclaim to the world worth crucifying? Hosea is speaking to a group of people that have lost their way. They don't really believe any of the major doctrines of the, of the Bible any longer. They're just hedging their bets at this point. They don't believe the, the, the original doctrines of original sin. 
Okay? Y'all understand what original sin is, right? Why do you sin? Because you're a sinner. It's that simple. Why do dogs bark? Because they're dogs. That's what dogs do. Okay? They don't meow. They bark. Why do we sin? Because we're sinners. We can't avoid that. We are born with what theologians call an Adamic nature. Now, there are people that don't believe that. There are people that don't believe in original sin. They believe that humans are basically good and getting better. Well, listen, that's not what the news tells me every night when I turn it on. It's not what the, the websites, uh, news websites that I read tell me is happening in the world. They also don't believe in, in what theologians call total depravity. Total depravity. That we are, by nature, set against God. We are set against anything in God's kingdom, and we want nothing to do with it. And what we're reading about in our text this morning is what it looks like if we ever get there. Do you understand that? God said that there, there comes a point, okay? There comes a point where God says, I've had it. That's enough, okay? Your sin has risen to the level that I must do something drastic. Hosea is giving to us a good picture of human nature. And it's showing to us what happens if we get ourselves away from God. If we let the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of us go out. Because God calls us to be on fire for Him and to listen to His words. Verses 1 through 6. So, God sends Hosea, you know. I mean, this is kind of one of those messages. And, and, and now y'all would think if, if Pastor got up and preached this particular chapter on Pastor Appreciation Day, he must be really mad at us, okay? But that's not the issue. Obviously, we're going through the book of the Bible. But, you know, when, when the party's going on, you don't want somebody coming in and throwing a bad attitude on the party. And the people in Israel, in, in the northern kingdom, life is good. They have plenty of money. They have everything they want. Now, they're attributing the reason they got it to the wrong thing. And that's the problem. But Hosea comes and he says, you know what, guys? Don't be, don't be happy like the other nations. Because you have played the harlot, forsaking your God. And, and then he begins to catalog everything that they have done. See, it had become natural for them, you know, that after the harvest... After the harvest, they would stop and they would thank God for what they had harvested. Because, I mean, we understand that in this community, right? Through farming, when that's the way that you feed your family, you thank God for that bountiful harvest. 
But what they were doing is that they were inviting the temple prostitutes of Baal to come to their threshing floor and their wine press. And they were engaging in these relationships with, that, with them. And they were thanking Baal for giving to them something that God had given to them. They were being unfaithful to God. And so God is saying that you are standing before me as spiritual prostitutes. And they're not going to remain in God's land. They're not going to remain in God's land any longer. And he's laying out for them just how bad this is going to be. I mean, he, he tells them they're not going to remain in the land. Go on to the next screen, please, the next couple of verses. He says they're not going to be able to pour out drink offerings of wine to the Lord. Their sacrifices will not please him. Their sacrifices will not please him. When we get to Amos, in a few months, God is going to say through Amos, and Amos and Hosea uh, were, were, were ministering at, at the same time. God is going to say through Amos that I hate, I hate your new moon festivals. I hate them all. Just stop is what God is, is saying through them. Because I'm not at the center of it. You are engaged in spiritual adultery, and your sacrifices are not going to please me your bread is going to be like mourner's bread and everyone who eats it is going to be defiled because it's for yourself alone it will not enter into the house of the lord what are you going to do on the day of the appointed festival see when you're in exile let me ask you a question if something horrible were to happen in the United States and we were taken into exile, would we still celebrate the 4th of July there? Would we celebrate Thanksgiving Day there? And if we did, that celebration would have a complete different attitude to it, wouldn't it? Okay? And so what are you going to do on the appointed day? Because you don't have a temple to go to. You don't have a place to go to to celebrate this festival. And so Hosea is telling them, you're going to lose everything. God will judge all of the unfaithful of this earth. Paul said to the Colossians in Colossians 3, verses 5 and 6, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Do you understand Paul's whole theology? He has told us that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. If someone has not acknowledged Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, they are dead, Paul says. They are dead in their, uh, in their refusal to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
And then when you uh, acknowledge Christ, when you exercise saving faith, then that dead person comes to life, and Paul says that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, we don't, we don't carry dead people around with us, okay? So why in the world, if we are a new creation in Christ, do we not consider the members of our earthly body as dead to immorality, as dead to impurity, as dead to passion? And he's not just talking about sexual passion. As dead to evil desire and as dead to greed. See, I told you a few weeks ago, the Bible is a very binary book. It's a one or a zero. It's on or it's off. Paul says you're either dead or you're alive. Those are the only two possibilities. You're dead or you're alive. And if you're alive in Jesus, then you need to be on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. Verses 7 through 9. You know, again, when we get to Amos, Amos' first sermon is going to begin, you fat cows of Bashan. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he probably didn't get very many amens during that sermon. All right? Uh, you know, I doubt his wife would have even amended him because she, she might have been afraid that somebody would come after her if she amended him. And so Hosea comes into this, and this is what they thought of Hosea. That man's a fool. That man is a fool. He is demented. Who does he think he is coming in here and telling us that there's something wrong with us? I mean, it is abundantly clear that we are God's favorite because of the abundance that we have, is what they're saying. One of our modern-day false prophets wrote that when he went to California, he decided that the first thing that he would do would be to visit all of the people in their homes and ask them what, he, what they wanted. And then he said, when I found out what they wanted, that's what I gave them. That's not a Christian church, beloved. That is not planning a Christian church. That is planning something that is about uh, as opposed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as it could possibly could be. Now, God tells them why they're going to be under judgment. He says, first... You're hostile to God's true prophets. And you're as corrupt as the men of Gibeah had been back in the days, or in, 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 in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, Judges chapter 19. I'll get it in a minute. We're not going to read that whole chapter, okay? Uh, Y'all remember that there was a, a man that was on a journey, and he came into town with his concubine. Well, she had run away. And he went after her, and when he got her, they were coming back, and they stopped in the territory of Benjamin. And these men came out, and they wanted him. 
they came knocking on the door of the house that he was staying at, and they wanted him. And, and in those days, this is one of those things that's hard to understand from our perspective. But instead of sending him out, they sent this man's concubine out. And they abused her all night long. He then got up the next morning, he cut her into 12 pieces, and he sent a piece to each of the tribes, and the tribe of Benjamin was almost completely wiped out because of that. They were left with very few men of marriageable age. And they're saying, God is saying through Hosea, your behavior is as wicked as those men's. Now, that would get your attention, wouldn't it? God's reaction to the corruption of Israel was forceful. He announced that he would remember their wickedness and punish them. We need to understand, beloved, you know, a lot of us, remember when you were young and you thought you would never die, okay? And you remember how now your knees and your ankles are making you pay for some of that silly stuff you did when you thought you would never die. I remember when I was a little boy, we, we got one day, we decided it's a good idea to jump off the roof of a house, and that's what we were doing. Now, our mom and dad didn't know we were doing that, okay? Uh, but we were jumping off the roof of a house because it seemed like a good idea. We get our bicycles down in the storm drains and ride them there because it seemed like a good idea, all right? These people are doing what they're doing because it sounded like a good idea to them. They think, they might talk about judgment, they might talk about the judgment of God falling upon them, but they believe that that's so far off in the future that they've got plenty of time to get right with God. Let me tell you something, beloved. None of us are guaranteed another moment. And if there is distance between us and God, we need to get that distance closed. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 2, 9, The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. Amen? The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. But then again, it's, it's binary. And to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And then the punishment really begins. They have gone deep and depravity. One commentator said, As a race, we are not even stray sheep or wandering prodigals merely. We are rebels taken with weapons in our hand. Here are the chosen people. Now, why does Israel exist as a nation? When I'm saying Israel, I don't mean the whole nation of I mean the northern kingdom. Why does the northern kingdom exist? Because when Solomon died, his son decided to listen to a bunch of young guys and be harsh and a taskmaster to his people and so ten of the tribes decided we're not going to go for this guy. 
And so they appointed a king that did not stand in the Davidic line. Now we've got a problem right there. Because who did God say was going to sit on the throne of Israel? Somebody in David's line. And the guy that they've got is not. And he is wicked. And he understands that these people are going to return back to Jerusalem for worship for the festivals that we just talked about. And if they do, then they might see that the king of Judah is a better king and and call this whole thing off. And so he sets up uh, 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 false temples, Dan and Bethel, to keep the people in his kingdom. And these people don't understand that God has blessed their nation. God chose them out of all of the other nations in the world. God chose them and he had a relationship with their ancestors. But now, God says, I'm going to remember your iniquity. Verses 10 through 14. When I was a young man, I had a job as a yard man at Camp Carson. And in the backyard of the, of the camp manager, there was a cherry tree. And if you went and looked at, at, at the path that I took, you would have thought I was drunk. Because I made sure that every loop around that backyard, I came underneath that tree so I could grab me a handful of cherries. Okay. And I would eat those cherries while I was making the round for the, the next round. And it was always, you know, that, that first, the, the, when they first appeared on the tree, and you could look at them and say, they're ripe. That's what God is saying. He's looking back fondly. He says, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on the fig tree in its first season. But it didn't last long, God is saying. It didn't last long. If you want to read about Baal Peor, that's in Numbers 25. Verse 14 sounds harsh. It sounds really harsh. But really what God is doing, or what Hosea is doing, is praying for God's mercy. He knows that these people are going to go into exile. And he's asking God to spare the children, to spare as many children as he possibly can. Verses 15 through 17. In chapter 4, verse 15, God said he despised the city of Gilgal as a center of idolatry in, in Israel. At one time, Gilgal had been a seminary under Elijah and Elisha. But in Hosea's day, it had become a a center of false worship. So God says that he is evicting them from his house because they have disgraced it, because they didn't obey him. And that's exactly what God promised under the terms of the Old Covenant in Deuteronomy 30, verses 14 through 18. He says, but the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may observe it. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. Do you notice the two are inextricably linked? Life in God and prosperity, and I'm not just talking about money, and death and adversity. In that, I command you today to love the Lord your God, 
to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and to possess it. Thankfully, we come to God under a new and better covenant. Hebrews eight twelve. I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sin no more. Now listen, beloved, again, I've told you uh, uh, that the Bible is very binary. We either find ourselves in verse 9 where God says he will remember our iniquity, or we find ourselves in Hebrews 8:12, where he says, I will remember their sins no more. And the only way that God will forget our sins... Hebrews 10, 16 through 17. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart, and on their mind I will write them. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Listen to me, beloved. The only way that that can possibly happen is if we acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Master. If we recognize that Jesus took the price for all of our sins on the cross at Calvary, and then he arose from the dead to show us that death is no longer master over our lives. Will we this morning acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and our Master? Are we listening to God? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we on fire for the risen Christ? Are we sharing that message of salvation with everyone that we meet? We need to be a people of the Word. We need to be a people that the world thinks are mad. Because we are living our lives true to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and true to the teachings of the apostles. Will we be on fire for him?